I was born for his service He filled me with purpose Take your time while you worship him I'm unplugged from the matrix Believe without seeing I'm plugged into the matrix The Daily Perspective Welcome to the show that gives it to you with no fluff of real Christianity and all that good stuff. Welcome to the Daily Perspective and I'm your host, Mr. Daily. And uh, today I have with me Beth Wilness from Faith Through Fire. And um, your podcast is called Besties with Breasties, right? It is. Cool. Now, um, this is not an X-rated show. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I do. I do feel like people say that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's just get that out there. But um, it was great the way you reached out to me. Um, it took me by surprise. It was a breath of fresh air because I was like, I'm never going to get people. Re- is, there, is anyone going to hear about this podcast? Are we going to get? Um, are we going to connect with other people? And I got your your email, and I was so touched because um, it kind of made me feel like. I'm not out here doing this alone anymore. It's, you know, it's... Yeah, I know. I think that's like the amazing thing about podcasting is you don't know who you're reaching. You don't know who you're talking to. And, um, but I, I do believe that it always bears fruit. So I, I heard your podcast. I wanted to reach out and I'm thrilled that you responded. Oh, that's great. That's great. So I did the, did the same thing, checked out your podcast. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so your first episode was so much more organized than mine. Was it? Oh, good. That makes me feel like less of an amateur. (laughs) Oh, man. You you had the segments and everything. My first episode, I was like a deer in the headlights. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? What do I do next? Um, But no, your first episode was great. Um, Thank you. And I really, really enjoyed how personal it was. Um, So... One of the things I say about myself, and I guess I've kind of grown into this, but I live a life as an open book. For me, there is no question that's off limits. There is no topic that's off limits. I talk about anything. My wife is always saying you need a filter because you, you see <laughs> I've been told that a time or two. <laughs> so um, that's probably why podcasting made so much sense for me because I'm, I'm just, I just love to talk. Um, yeah. But your story was amazing. And um, to, for it to then materialize into your organization and then um, into the podcast. And I know that there are probably bigger things in the future. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching your journey because, to be honest, it's I love these sorts of stories that, you know, just making it through difficult times and and then turning it into something that helps someone else. It's what I believe we are here for. Um, I don't believe we go through hard times just so we say, oh man, I survived that and that's that's great. And, and keep that to ourselves. There are people that go through similar stories and don't have the resilience to deal with it or the support network to deal with it and sometimes our stories are there to help you know i believe that our experiences so that we can help other people who were going through those experiences and uh, sorry you, you, you want me to tell you a secret though I, I am an, I'm unlike you, I'm a very private person. I hate sharing about myself and I, so, and I'm sure we'll delve into this, but I started my organization 
um, after I went through breast cancer, I, I really kind of wanted to move past the diagnosis and kind of leave it in my rear view. And then I just uh, felt God telling me, nope, he had plans for other things. So um, I think it's very, I think you're right. I think we go through difficult trials um, in our lives so that we can be an encouragement to others yeah. and to remind people, you know, what's important and to keep your eye on the prize. Uh, but it's an ironic twist that initially that wasn't what I wanted to do at all. So yeah. um, I agree with you that it's a pretty wild journey considering where I started and where I am today. Yeah. So kind of give me give me a bit of a background on what life was like before the diagnosis and then um you know Yeah so I was 35 when I got diagnosed with breast cancer and and prior to that day I mean I was just living my life I had a career in sales my husband had a successful career we were living in the suburbs raising our kids um you know doing what I think a lot of people envision themselves doing growing their careers having family life um enjoying their family and friends and uh that all changed in an instant, like it does for so many other people. And uh, yeah, to say I was surprised to get diagnosed with cancer at the age of 35 is an understatement. I never saw this coming. It never occurred to me that this could happen. And so when it did, it was, uh, it was an immense, immense shock. Wow. So what made you sort of say, I know you said you felt God saying, right, I want you to do something with this. But how it was did a journey, it, though, it didn't happen like that right away. Okay, I mean, I had, okay. Yeah, I had to. So when I got that call, I was in my, um, I, my husband was actually the one that found the lump, believe it or not, we were spooning in bed, and he just had his arm over my side. And we were just hanging out and he he felt it. And he said, What is that? And I said, What? And then he kind of guided my hand to where he felt and I thought, Oh, gosh, that's not good. Um, and when I called my doctor, she said, oh, you know, I'm sure it's just a swollen lymph node. It's no big deal. Just don't worry about it. Call me back if it doesn't go away in a few weeks. And, um, and so I hung up the phone and my husband said, see, no big deal. And I said, no, I said, I just, I feel like something's wrong. I don't know why I feel that way, but I just don't think it's right. And I called her back and, um, I asked her, you know, to have my first ever mammogram. And so flash forward, I was waiting on the results and, the doctor called me and I was sweeping my kitchen floor. My husband worked out of the house. And uh, so he was upstairs working and she asked me what I was doing. And I told her I was sweeping the floor. And uh, then she told me that my biopsy had come back positive. And it was kind of one of those moments like it is in the movies where everything kind of goes silent. Yeah. And, you, can, you know, they're talking to you, but you, you're almost like hearing ringing. And I just remember her saying to me, you know, I wouldn't want to have treatment if I were you. And, um, I just remember saying to her, you mean it's so advanced that you would decline treatment if it were you? And she said, oh, I don't know about that. I just, I know what you're going to have to go through. And it's really, it's going to be really, really difficult. And, uh, and so at that point, she told me my next step was to find a surgeon and they would tell me what to do next. And I hung up the phone and told my husband. And, um, you know, from that point, things start moving really quickly. They schedule you for surgery. And my entire journey ended up being um, a double mastectomy, chemo, radiation, a couple of unexpected surgeries due to complications. Um, so it was a roller coaster ride. Um, mm. And while I was going through all that, I was really fortunate to have a lot of people step in and offer support. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was some of those people were going to be the catalyst for Faith Through Fire, which is the organization that I now have to help other breast cancer patients. 
So I had to go through the whole treatment process, but it was the people that poured into my life during that time, specifically uh, a few individuals that really uh, were the catalyst for what is now my nonprofit. So hearing your story again, um, the same things that I thought when I was listening to that episode, same things that I think now. So when you first said um, you called your... um, your OBGYN, she's and she said, "Oh, it's probably just a swollen lymph node." I remember when my wife found a lump, and that was the same thing they said to her. And I kind of get where they come from. And um, most of the time, it's nothing. Most of the time, when women find a lump, it is nothing. So, I mean, I think that's the right thing to say to try to reassure someone. Yeah. You know, Especially, I mean, patients under the age of 45, that's only 10% or less of breast cancer patients. So to be a young breast cancer patient is even less likely. Um, At that time that I got diagnosed, I had a six, a four and a one-year-old. So my youngest had just turned one. So I'm sure they were thinking that, you know, it's just hormonal and not a big deal, but it turned out to be a big deal. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And um, so how did you feel with that? you know, her, her comment about, um, if I was you, I wouldn't go. Yeah. It wasn't the best thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I, you know, since, since that time, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way, the way that she said that I'll be honest with you since that time, I've kind of given her some grace thinking, you know, maybe that was her first time ever telling a young woman, she had breast cancer, you know, I don't know the circumstances behind, mm. you know, how she told me, you know, it, it definitely came across as awkward for her. I, I got the sense she couldn't wait to get off the phone with me. And it, it was very traumatic. Uh, obviously, they can't tell you very much when you first get the news that you have cancer. So you think they're going to be able to tell you what stage you are and what treatment you're going to have and what your prognosis is. And they don't know any of that. And I think as a cancer patient, that's the hardest part is that you get this devastating news and you immediately go to the darkest place imaginable. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, how, how's my husband going to raise my kids without me? Mm. You know, um, you just go there because there's nobody telling you you shouldn't or that that's not necessarily your case. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was shocking and a little bit devastating to be told in that way. Um, but like I said, I had a lot of people kind of step in and help me through that. And one of those people, um, when I was going through treatment, I had this woman who I was an acquaintance with, but we weren't really friends. And she called me up out of the blue and said, you know, I have a good friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 20s while she was in law school. And I'd like to introduce you to her. Maybe she can be helpful to you. And um, because it was somebody that she knew, I felt like, okay, I can trust this person. And so she connected me to this woman who lived in Chicago. I'm in the Midwest of Missouri. And, uh, she had gotten diagnosed and gone through everything I was going to have to go through. And she offered to kind of mentor me through the process and to be available to me if I had any questions or if I needed her to talk me off the ledge, um, just anytime I felt really upset about everything. And so that's what happened. And since we were in different cities, it was done primarily through text messaging. Um, and it was real low maintenance. I mean, I was raising kids while I was going through treatment. We had busy lives and she was the same, but she was kind of a touchstone for me. And I, every time I started to kind of spin out, I would think about her on the other side of the diagnosis, living her life. And, uh, so her name was Stephanie and, um, and, and this is the best part about the story. So she mentored me through breast cancer treatment. Now 
my nonprofit, we have a mentor program for the newly diagnosed and Stephanie mentors in that program. So she is now, yeah. So she is now part of my program that I started based off of my experience with her. And so she was one of the women that really stepped in and, and helped me through that time. Another woman was, uh, I was part of a Bible study group and every single time you started a new study, you'd get a new leader. And so we had just gotten a new leader. I didn't know Fran, who was my Bible study leader at all. But when she found out about my diagnosis, she didn't ask me. She just said, nope, I'm inserting myself into your life. I'm going to pray you through this. And that's exactly what she did. She prayed me through it. And um, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, she was a a instrumental part of my recovery and just leaning on God and not leaning away. That was because of her and her willingness to kind of step into my life and and guide me spiritually during that time. So, yeah, all these women had such an impact on me that it made me realize that I wanted everyone to have that level of support when they went through treatment. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, it, it always warms my heart when I hear those um, those stories of just the support that, you know, when people band together and provide that level of support, because sometimes, as you say, your support comes from places you would never expect. Um, yeah, I mean, both of these women were strangers to me before treatment. Now I, I consider them dear friends. And I mean, that's the power that we have as people to pour into somebody's life, so whether we know them well or not. Um, And I think that that's such a strong message to send to people. And especially in cancer, people get really awkward about cancer because you don't know what to say. You don't know what you should do. And so everybody kind of defaults to that. Well, let me know if there's anything I can do. And what people who are going through that really need is for you to just say, hey, you know, I threw a lasagna on your front porch. Make sure you get it before the critters do. Or, you know, and just take control and pour into their life because they're never going to hold it against you that you did too much, you know. And, and that's what these women did for me. And that's why I think it was just so amazing. And how did, um, how did your husband feel throughout the process? Because I think, um, so the way I, my wife is an extension of me and I'm an, you know, I'm an extension of her. We, we're just, we're always together. We do everything together. So um, I can only imagine how devastating the news was for him um, but then if he's anything like me, he would have probably wanted to maintain that um, not going to cry, not going to cry, stay strong. Sort yeah. Of. yeah, he and I, so we're similar uh, to you and your wife then because he and I are best friends. We do everything together. We have very similar outlooks on every everything. I mean, there's very little we disagree on. Um, and so, yeah, when uh, and we met when I was 17. So we've been together for very really, similar to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we, I mean, I feel like we grew up together and, and it's just a blessing from God that we grew together instead of apart, you know, we work at it, but yeah, we, our marriage is one of my biggest blessings. And I, I think fortunately for us, cancer brought us closer together. It has the tendency for some couples to, to pull them apart. Um, but for us, it was the opposite for him. I think it was incredibly important to play. I think to your point, he wanted to be the the solid rock, you know, that kept everything going. So when yeah. I was bedridden with chemo and I couldn't get out of bed for days on end, I mean, he was running the house. He was running the kids to all their appointments and their school and their activities. He was cooking dinner. He was cleaning the house. He was checking on me. 
And he, he just really saw his, his part in this to alleviate all the stress off of me and make sure that everything was getting done. And it was really important to both of us to keep kind of the status quo for the kids. We both agreed from the get-go that we didn't want their lives to change as much as possible. We wanted to keep things as consistent yeah. as possible, uh, which I think took some people by surprise. We never explicitly told my kids that I had cancer. Um, we just told them that I was, we kind of compartmentalized each part of the treatment process. So it was, okay, mom's going to have a surgery, but she'll be home the next day. Um, and you know, and that's what happened. And then, okay, mom's going to take some medication. It's going to make her hair fall out, but it's going to come back at Christmas. And that's what happened. And we kept their schedules very consistent. Um, and since, so we kind of prepared them for each step, but we never kind of came out and tried to explain the big world of cancer because again, they were sick one. And it just, we didn't want to burden them with that at that time. I just felt like they were too little. Um, and it was only recently in the last year that they even found out I had cancer and it blew their mind. So, Oh, wow. (laughs) So some, most moms are incredibly transparent with their kids. My podcast partner, Sarah is a fellow young survivor. I mean, her daughter was super little and they told her and were very, very forthright about everything. Um, and I was a little bit more guarded, uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think everybody knows their kids the best. I was going to say that. Yeah, but I, my husband was a rock star, continues to be a rock star. He's incredibly supportive. When I said that I wanted to quit my job and start a nonprofit to help patients, he just was kind of the roll with the punches guy like that said, okay, you do what you got to do and I support you. So That's awesome. That's awesome. It, I, I, again, another thing I love so much, myself and my wife are really um, – one of the things we're, we're super passionate about is marriage. And um, most people think we were, cr- they thought we were crazy. Now, a oh, funny story. So we met, she was 16, I was 17. Um, we dated for six years, then we got married. So she was 22, I was 23. And the first thing that people said, especially from an African background, um, people said, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. That must be why they're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) They go to the scandal, right? Yeah. And um, for me, it it was one of, um, so I I became, uh, I'll say I gave my life to Christ at at nine. So throughout my teens, um, as soon as I got to that age where my hormones kicked in and I was interested in girls. I'd always pray to God that I would find a life partner early in life. I'd always ask God, I want family first before career, before anything else. I want family. I want foundation. I want to create um, that place where I could raise happy children who knew the love of two parents who knew the love of God. And that was, that had always been my desire and that never changed. So that's why when I met her, you know, she was the only person I'd ever dated long-term and I knew, I I think I said to her um, sort of three weeks in, I said, you're the one. Oh, wow. And we dated for six years and, and we got married and, you know, we've been together ever since. Uh, but a lot of people don't, that's not to say we didn't have, as you say, rocky times, because it's it's a marathon and it's a massive, massive learning curve and it requires so much work. Um, but we're super passionate about 
just seeing people experience the real biblical marriage and what it is and people see it as being so boring and and whatever and it's not it's no i i agree with you if you if you put christ at the center of your you're going to have adventures that you could have never imagined otherwise. And I think that it's the exact opposite of boring. I'm, I'm jealous that you um, came to Christ so early that you, you were mature enough to ask God to guide your life toward marriage, because I only really consider that I came to faith about eight years prior to my diagnosis. Um, It's a blessing in the fact that we've raised our kids that way, you know, so I got to to get them, you know, from the onset, um, unlike me, but yeah, marriage is a blast when you put Christ in the center. It is, it is full of surprises, full of miracles and full of just, uh, his provision. So I agree with you a hundred percent. And yeah, one, I mean, it really was a huge blessing to go through something like this with him. Yeah. And I think what you said about the way he supported you when you decided you were going to start a nonprofit, um it's weird because i think it takes that crazy level of faith to be able to say okay go ahead do it because god's going to provide he knows our needs he knows i was making i was making really good money in sales so to lose all that income and to yeah. say okay we're going to live on one salary and i'm going to just pursue this with abandon was just a huge shock to him and i'm not going to lie he was concerned but he stepped out in faith and said, okay, let's, let's do this, you know? Yeah. And it was interesting when I was going through treatment, I went to go pick out my wig and I was talking to the wig shop owner and I was just chatting with her. And I guess I must've mentioned my husband several times in a fond way, because she said, you know, you sound, you, you sound like one of the lucky ones. Sounds like you've got a great husband. I see a lot of abandoned wives after oh, a wow. breast cancer. Yeah. After a breast cancer diagnosis. And I was just shocked shocked. I think my mouth like dropped open. I said, what do you mean? And she's like, oh yeah, we see it all the time. You know, women are going through cancer treatments and their husbands leave. And I thought, surely that can't be true. And so when I was at my next chemo, I remember saying what she had told me to the nurse, the oncology nurse. And she said, oh yeah, we see it all the time. She said, but she's like, I will tell you that typically the marriages that don't make it are the ones that were rocky before the diagnosis. And so they were already struggling. And then after the diagnosis is kind of just the final straw. But I remember just feeling incredibly blessed in that moment to have the marriage that I had, to have the man that I had and to have God at the center of it, because it's just something you shouldn't take for granted at all. Um, And now that I have a nonprofit, I do see that happening. I see marriages that really struggle, you know, after a cancer diagnosis. And if you aren't, you know, if you aren't facing that diagnosis together, it can be very devastating on multiple fronts, not just the physical. So. Yeah, I can imagine that's a, Wow, that came as a shock to me. I, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. But, you know, it happens for men, too. Women will leave men for the same reason. Some people are just not in it, you know, that for better or for worse is not, yeah. you know. I, I find it so, it's it's crazy. Um, I think I could never imagine leaving my wife in at such a difficult time. And, you know, I think our first year of marriage was probably the rockiest year of marriage. Um, We had so much being young. We had family members who felt they they knew marriage more. They knew more about marriage than we did. And I guess they had more experience in marriage, but it wasn't necessarily the right experience. Right. Um, So 
you know, we, we were being pulled to and fro and it really put a strain on our marriage, but we made the decision to move away from family so that we can focus on ourselves and grow together. And she has been my rock in, um, and it is so weird because um, I've been the primary breadwinner for the family since we, we had children. Um, And we made that decision. She would stay at home and I, I would, go out and and continue to work but running my own business it's been probably one of the hardest things the most difficult things I've had um accountants that have done me wrong in so many ways and got me in a lot of trouble and things like that and but she has never ever once you know I'm the one that's usually saying to her, I'm so sorry, I messed up. It's my fault We're, you know, that we're going through difficult times or whatever. She was, she was like, we've got this. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what, nothing builds trust than when your partner takes a down moment for you. And instead of dialing on lifts you up in that moment, you yeah. know, it's not the same, but I, I remember when COVID hit, I thought, you know, I'm gonna take this opportunity to write a book. And, you know, everybody wants to write a book, right? And it's it's really hard. I like to blog, but writing a book is different. It's it's way harder. Um, but when I wrote it, it just kind of poured out of me, right? And I had this 40,000 word book at the end and I was all excited and I couldn't believe I did it. And it was just such an accomplishment. And so, you know, there's costs associated with having an editor and getting a book and all this stuff. And there's costs associated with that. So I was spending money to kind of get all this stuff together. And all of a sudden I realized that, it was great that I wrote this. And I think it was, it was really more or less my experience, my personal experiences, you know, how I grew up, how that informed, how I handled cancer, you know, and, and all this stuff. But when I got done with it, I realized that it wasn't going to do anything to help patients, you know, patients that are diagnosed now, it was my story. It was very cathartic for me to write it, but it wasn't going to do what I intended, which is to help patients. And I had to go to my husband and say, okay, I know we spent all this money, but I want to scrap the entire thing and rewrite this to actually help patients. And it's going to cost us. And I really expected him to be really frustrated and aggravated with me. And his response was, yeah, if you think that this is the right thing to do and that this is going to help more people, if you scrap it and start over, then go for it. I support you. And I just remember thinking in that moment, I've never loved you more because you had every opportunity to say, well, why didn't you think about this before you wrote it? And, you know, why did you spend this money? And, you know, all these things. And so I think when you're married to somebody that that really takes the opportunity to lift you up instead of tear you down when you make these mistakes, it's just invaluable. I just, yeah. I, I adore him for it. I mean, he has my undying loyalty and it's because of moments like those. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great to hear. So what does the future hold for you? And, and you know, I mean, what's the, how, oh, actually, before we get it, how is it going with the nonprofit? How long has it been going? Um, you know, is. Yeah, we launched it in um, October of 2019. And uh, shortly thereafter, COVID hit, which was, you know, crazy. But you want to talk about God's provision. So we have three programs. Um, and and so our mission at Faith Through Fire, because my organization is Faith Through Fire, and it's faiththroughfire.org. And our mission is really to reduce the anxiety and fear that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. And I, that's our mission because people fail to realize that getting cancer is just as much an emotional and spiritual battle as it is a physical battle. And so that emotional component often gets overlooked. 
And what really resonated with me when I was going through my own treatment were all the people that kind of poured into me and supported me emotionally. I am not a very touchy-feely person. I'm not an overly emotional person. I'm very much a, you know... Um, put your big girl pants on and just get through it kind of person. But I'll tell you, cancer really flattened me and I needed people to come alongside and lift me up and pour into me. And so um, that's why our mission is what it is. We want to address the emotional side of breast cancer. And so we have three programs. We've got a peer mentorship program where we pair a newly diagnosed patient with a thriving survivor to just kind of root them on and encourage them. It's all through text messaging. So it's super low maintenance and unobtrusive, both for the mentor and the mentee. We have a partnership with um, a company called Build-A-Bear and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, Build-A-Bear. So we provide bears to children impacted by breast cancer. So we have a lot of young women getting diagnosed with small children. And so one of their primary concerns when they get diagnosed is how are we going to tell the kids, you know, how are we going to make sure that this isn't traumatic for the kids? And so we provide the bears as that tangible source of emotional support. Um, and then the third is our podcast, which is besties with breasties, um, not an adult <laughs> podcast, but it's myself and another young survivor. And we talk about what it's like to go through treatment, what patients can expect and, um, and then life after what survivorship's like. And it's just meant to give women a sense of security and community. And so they know they're not alone and all these programs are remote. So we were incredibly fortunate because when COVID hit, our programs weren't impacted. We didn't have to pivot and change everything because they were already done kind of remotely, but with connection in mind. And I think that's a God thing. And so, um, so yeah, we launched in October, 2019 and um, we're, we're doing amazing. And we have providers who will refer their newly diagnosed patients to our organization. So I routinely get submittals from nurses that are with patients and submitting them. Um, And it's been fantastic. So we're in the process right now. What we're trying to do is we want to raise money for a lake house so that we can send women for respite um, either during treatment or right after so that they can kind of recover emotionally from everything that they've been through. So it's, it's been going great and we, we love it. And we're having a blast helping these women. It's, it's a tragic thing, but it's really amazing what comes out of it. And some of my biggest blessings have come from breast cancer. Oh, wow. Wow. So what does the future hold for you? So you've got your book, um, yeah, that's on the website. It's just a manual for patients to, to access so that they can kind of know what to expect and give them some guidance on how to process their emotions and feel better about, about the journey. Um, it's really an optimistic look at, at the experience. We want women to know that, you know, yes, this is a very hard thing, but um, through, through hard things comes your biggest opportunity for growth. And so we want this experience to help kind of be a uh, propel them forward rather than hold them back. And so that's, that's what it's intended to do. So yeah, the future, I don't know. I see the future getting, um, you know, it's funny. I thought about this being kind of an initiative, just local to my hometown in St. Louis. Uh, but I'll tell you, we got our first patient from Ireland the other day. And I just realized that, you know what, there's no containing this. There's people all over the world that need help and need, um, guidance. And so, we're really excited to see where this goes, but I think that the organization has just grown year over year and yeah, we're just, we're just looking to make the lives of women going through this a little bit easier. Awesome. Um, I just, oddly enough, um, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't remember before, but my cousin, um, 
as a survivor, a breast cancer survivor. And, you know, we were like two peas in a pod growing up. Um, she's oh. just, so she's just, I think it's been, she's a year post-treatment now. Okay. Um, but she, she'd be perfect as a mentor. She ought to come on board as a mentor. Yeah, I was going to say, so she lives, um, so she splits her time between um, Lagos in Nigeria and Houston. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I will, I will get her to get in touch because I, yeah, I think should. she, she would you definitely. Should. We're be- always, I was going to say, we're always looking for mentors. And of course, you know, they got to be the right kind of person, which means they're optimistic. They're forward thinking. They understand it's about the patient and not their own journey anymore. Um, and we do require them to be a year out from their last day of treatment, just because we want to give them that space to kind of come to terms with everything that they've been through yeah. so that they can truly focus on patients, you know, that, that are just starting their journey. Um, we want them to feel really solid about doing that. But yeah, we're always, that's the other thing. We're always looking for really solid survivors who want to give back and help the newly diagnosed. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Beth, this has been, um, insightful to say the least um i have learned so much um i think your organization is great um you've got such a positive attitude um i don't know what else to say it's just great to speak to someone that's been through something and isn't woe is me and you know they can see the positive side of such a traumatic experience so you know I applaud you. I applaud your husband. He sounds like a great man. Um, and yeah, I wish you all the best. Um, well, thank and, you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and sharing your story. So that was Beth Wilmis from Faith Through Fire, as I said. And you can connect with Beth's organization on www faiththroughfire.org that's www.faiththroughfire.org if you are a survivor or you know someone who is a survivor of breast cancer and you feel that this is the organization that they could um, work with and mentor others who are going through breast cancer then you know tell them about the organization get them to listen to the podcast get them to connect and um, let's help more people have a more positive um, journey through breast cancer it's a journey that can turn your life upside down but you don't have to be alone in that journey Um, Beth is proof of that Uh, what she's been through really just shines a light on the positive stories that can come out um, of such a traumatic experience um I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, I love to bring interesting content to you. I love to bring um, new people to you. Um, please check out Beth's podcast, Besties with Breasties. Um, connect and keep listening. Um, I appreciate you guys. As I said, we are number 13 on the top 25 Christian men's podcasts. Uh, trying to get to number one so uh, keep supporting keep helping your boy out um, because I want to reach that top spot Um, I'll be back next week with another episode Um, it may be another interview Um, 
I'm trying to work something out. It'll be a good one uh, if it all works out, but that's all I'm going to say. So you're going to have to check it out. Keep close to me on social media because if it if it pans out, then um, I will announce who's going to be um, who I'm going to be interviewing on uh, social media. But yeah, keep keep connected, keep close. Uh, DY Daily on Twitter, DY Daily on Instagram, DY Daily on Clubhouse, um, Daily Perspective Network on Facebook, Daily Perspective Network on YouTube, www.dailyperspective.co.uk, and you can also email me at david at dailyperspective.co.uk. Um, Until next time, take care of each other and take care of yourselves. Peace.